So the problem is um, not in the city water. The city water doesn't have lead. The, the problem is in individual service lines, but not all service lines. There are instances of lead service lines in the city. And when the water sits in a lead line for a certain period of time, it has the uh, ability to absorb some of the lead into the water. Uh, we do treat the water to reduce corrosivity, uh, and that does help reduce the problem, but that alone is not uh, sufficient in all circumstances. As I mentioned, we don't know where the lines are. We've asked the public for help in identifying their lines. We haven't met with great success there. Building an inventory is a crucial step, and we need the public's help to do that. We need everybody to complete the inventory, and we need it completed even if you don't have a lead line. We need to know that because the EPA is expecting that we'll have a complete inventory. Our best estimation, and this is based on limited data, is that there are 4,500 lead service lines in the city. As we get more responses to the survey, uh, we can refine that number, but that's probably a good educated guess at this point in time. Our working estimate at this time is that the average cost of replacement will be about $5,000 per building. It's an estimation. It gives us the ability to talk about a program. We have looked at a variety of approaches. We've looked at a fixed contribution that some communities are doing, two or $3,000 toward the replacement of your line. We've looked at an income-based grant, but none of the programs that we've come across offer an assurance of 100% replacement at the best possible cost. We do understand that the EPA wants all of these lines replaced. We do understand that many residents can't afford the replacement, and we do understand that tenants, which make up the bulk of our residents in the city, are at the mercy of their landlords. In view of these factors, we urge the council to support a plan that will cover 100% cost of replacement for 100% of the property, properties that have lead service lines. Our approach would be, to, would be to issue an RFP for contractors and based on that negotiate a best price um, and using that, seeing, seeing if we can get a handful of contractors who will agree to that price. If we can do that, we put one or more contractors in coordination with our sidewalk and street replacement program so that we're not cutting into sidewalks and streets twice. We'd assign another contractor to work on one-offs. And by one-offs, I mean um, individuals or addresses uh, where we have been informed by the county uh, the county health department, that there is a lead issue in that property. It's not terribly efficient to do one-offs, but it is uh, compassionate to do one-offs. We will, uh, in addition to make this uh, happen a little bit better for us, we're going to bring to the city council uh, some code changes. For example, condition a CO on proof that there is no lead line service, uh, provide the city uh, greater leverage to compel more reporting, uh, we, we're looking at a couple of options there, but uh, we need to deal with uh, those instances where we're not getting uh, cooperation um, from the uh, property owner. When it comes to staffing, we do not currently have the staffing to run a program like this. Uh, this program includes a lot of coordination uh, between and among <laughs> contractors, uh, between contractors and building owners. There's a lot of data collection, reporting, grant management, uh, and communication. There's also a very uh, detailed and 
complex uh, post-replacement monitoring that needs to go on. So uh, I won't get into the weeds on what we're looking at uh, in staffing. I just want you to know that we've factored that into the program uh, and it's included our, in our considerations of uh, cost. So given what I've said so far, we're estimating the physical cost of replacement of all lines to be in the neighborhood of 25 to $30 million. And again, that's based on assumptions that I've stated so far, all of which are subject to change. We are estimating the cost of running the program and post-replacement monitoring to be in the neighborhood of $270,000 annually. It's not likely that the program delivery costs can be covered by grants, but that is yet to be finally determined. We think our goal should be to complete somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 replacements a year at a rough cost of $1.8 million, plus or minus. For 2023, we have $516,000. I'm asking the council to reallocate roughly $1.1 million in uncommitted ARPA funds that weren't necessary for another initiative that we had approved uh, last year. That would give us $1.6 million to work with in 2023. Everything I've laid out to this point is doable. And what I'd like to discuss now is how we go beyond 2023 and the impediments that we have to overcome. To continue the program at that pace, we will recommend a water rate increase of about $1 per thousand gallons. That would yield 1.2 million on an annual basis. Uh, however, the next council and the next administration are gonna need to closely monitor that to ensure that there are sufficient grants uh, secured and uh, uh, adjust the water rate accordingly. And we can leave very specific instructions in that regard. Uh, that kind of an increase will amount to approximately $48 annually for the average family of four. Those funds and any grants re received, uh, we would put into a, uh, a dedicated capital account. Uh, we worked that out with Andy, what that would look like. That could be tracked separately, so the council and the next administration uh, could ensure that we have enough funds in there to continue the program. The rate increase ideally should occur as quickly as possible so that we will accumulate enough cash to um, start 2024. We need working capital. The grants are likely to be reimbursement and we need to manage our cash flow throughout the project. The recently passed federal infrastructure bill includes significant money to assist localities in this work. Um, $15 billion will be available over the next five years uh, in increments of $3 billion a year. The funds will be funneled through the states and New York has been allocated a total of $115 million thus far. Of that, $38 million will be available in the upstate region uh, in the governor's current budget proposal. Uh, we have made applications. We do not know the terms of the funding, whether it's going to be income directed, whether it will cover the costs of administering the program, whether there's a match required. We don't have any of those details yet. Uh, but we do have good reason to believe we will rate highly. So I would just, uh, you know, I'll note that $15 billion is a lot of money, and we're very grateful to the administration uh, for getting that over the finish line. And it will do a lot of good across the country, but it will not be enough. Localities will ultimately have to do exactly what we are proposing. 
raising funds through a rate increase. I say that because each and every one of you will face opposition to a rate increase, but there is no alternative. Here's the wrinkle. The New York State Constitution seems to be a barrier to this plan. Under Article 8, cities are not allowed to use their funds or credit in aid of private interests. These lines are private service lines. If this provision admits of no exceptions, it presents a serious barrier to our efforts. It makes us entirely dependent upon grants, which typically are inconsistent year to year. That makes it very hard to staff a program. Um, and the federal funds do run out in five years, and uh, that may happen sooner depending upon how Congress acts with respect to the debt ceiling. So what do we do at that point? Uh, this concern is not unique to us. All cities in the state are running up against this, or they should be running up against this. Uh, we're in discussion with our Corporation Council, our Bond Council, NICOM, other mayors, uh, and Assemblymember McDonald looking for a solution. We are looking for a more expansive court interpretation of Article 8. Because this is a constitutional issue, it cannot, cannot be served with statute. So we need a workaround. That's the bad news. The good news is we have, <coughs> we have enough funding available for, to cover 23, and that gives us uh, a year to work with the state and the other parties to find a workaround. So assuming this committee is disposed to referring this positively to the full council, we will begin preparing uh, statutory changes with respect to the budget uh, request I put before you, the city code and our uh, water rule changes. In the meantime, we need people to share information about how to avoid potential lead poisoning. Of all of the environmental uh, threats uh, that we confront on a daily basis, this one is very avoidable just by running your water. I know that's not a, it's not a permanent solution, but it's a stopgap. Um, and even if we get through this constitutional hurdle, we should, you know, we'll need to continue doing that because we can't replace 4,500 in one year. Regardless of whether you have lead, galvanized, or copper, you should run your work. Um, we also need uh, people to participate in the inventory. I do believe that as uh, funding becomes more competitive, those communities with a more complete inventory will do better uh, in the grant process.